we have a new partner to the podcast, Luminate Advertising. They're an award-winning advertising and marketing firm, and their brand resource director, Mary Tilger, is a personal friend of mine, and I encourage you to contact Luminate Advertising just to make your company shine if you need any graphic design, copywriting, printing, radio spots, trade show displays, digital marketing, promotional products. Everyone wants to represent their company just a professional manner, so call Mary. She has a great marketing ear. She can help you out. Her phone number is 303-460-8703. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. This week on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Dr. Bill Manduka. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. You know, uh, it's been so wonderful getting to know Bill, and I'm excited about this conversation to share with everybody. Especially when Bill let me know that he has his uh, just this incredible track record in history. Plus, you served in the United States Navy, so we had that in common, and we had a, a lot of different frame of references, didn't we? Yes, absolutely. It's um, it's like we didn't have to start at the beginning. We could start at a level where you know, oh, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Now, you guys are going to love you know Bill's background. I would describe Bill as just a passionate visionary, you know, strategic leader. And Bill, you just have this uh, unique way of kind of looking at things, um, you know, differently, well, you know, with some just, you know, some wisdom and some insight. And I know one of your passions is to really to not only inspire, but to activate leaders. And you work with people in business, government, education, and you've done a lot of work internationally, both with businesses and, and nonprofits and, and charities. And, uh, um, you've really helped them, you know, just develop this courage to, you know, develop their character, uh, to grow, to challenge the status quo, to work and solve problems, um, you know, right at their root so that they stay solved. It's not coming in as a bandaid. Cause I know you've done some, some consulting. A lot of us have seen consulting and coaching sometimes when we're not in the picture anymore, if we haven't done, uh, a good job, right. It goes right back to where it was. So, Right. Yeah, exactly. So this, you know, this drive that you have to really dig deep and get to the bottom of things, I think is really what distinguishes you. And you, and, you know, there's a lot of people around the world that, uh, you know, are seeking after you for consulting and coaching and the, and, you know, motivational speaking and, you know, the work that you have to do. And I know you have a, a number of degrees. My favorite is a doctorate in it's strategic leadership. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. In strategic leadership, I like that. I actually, you know, one of the, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I would love to go back and and get a doctorate in in uh, in area like that. So, you know, here's what I'd like to do is, you know, there's you have such an amazing life story. If you could just maybe share like, you know, share some of the highlights of this journey along the way that you think would really kind of, you know, that have really equipped you and would re you know resonate with everybody listening. Well, I can say that um, I grew up in northern New England. I'm originally from Maine. I now live in Mississippi. So I've, uh, I've, I've made a transformation, apparently. Um, Those are very different ends of the spectrum. 
Yeah, and I, there's a long story that we probably don't have time for, but um, I would just say this, that it wasn't, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that based on uh, when I was doing in my own time of uh, personal reflection and everything, it, it occurred to me that um, everything I had ever done, whether it was recreationally or professionally or personally even, um, was associated with water. And I didn't realize that until at one point when I was standing in the desert of Senegal, on the western edge of the Sahara Desert, trying to drill a water well in sand, that I realized that, yeah, everything I've ever done, including the month I was born in February, uh, which is Aquarius, the water bearer, and the Lord really began to speak to me about that. And that's that's probably the underpinning of all of this, is that what is the water of life and, and, and what does it mean to be a water bearer? And that's kind of where it was. So some of the highlights, I, I had a typical childhood, very um, blessed to have two parents, you know, growing up, I'm the oldest of three. Um, 12 years old, I went to, um, I was on a Little League All-Star team that went to the state championships, first time in my my town's history that anybody had ever done that. And cool. we had one of these uh, Cinderella story type things, but lost in the championship. And so I've, I've had a lot of events like that, a lot of firsts, a lot of, um, you know, just things that, oh my goodness, most people wouldn't get to do that in their lifetime. So I feel very fortunate and very blessed to have grown up the way I did, especially in this country. Um, went to school to learn how to be an engineer on board merchant merchant ships, uh, running engine rooms as an engineer, and went into the Navy from there as a, on a destroyer, went around the world, uh, the, the Middle East primarily, um, spent a lot of time in the Persian Gulf during the mid-80s when Ronald Reagan reflagged the Kuwaiti oil tankers and to keep the oil moving, and we were the escort ship, so that's a point of reference there, but um, got married, have been married, well, have been married 32 years in, in March, we've got wow, three grown- congratulations. Well, three grown children. I always say I've been married for 32 years all to the same woman. And that's that's a feat in and of itself, I guess, these days. Um, I've got three grown children. And um, I recently had my, I've got two grandkids. My second one was born on my birthday last week. So um, I'm very fortunate. But I've also been through in the, probably the last five years, um, when you're a Christian and you're really serious and you say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do and say whatever you want me to say, he takes those prayers very seriously. And when he answers those prayers, it's usually not the way we think he's going to. And so within the last, say, five to seven years, I've had a major shift. Um, he's moved me out of corporate America. That was a major transition that um, basically... You know, making six figures one day and making zero the next overnight and then trusting on God completely for where you're going to live, what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. And it literally came down to at one four month period back in 20, 2013, my wife and I were living out of our um, minivan with all of our most prized possessions packed up to the ceiling and we were literally in the desert Um God had moved us out after after I graduated from my doctorate, major high point in my life, and uh, immediately sent us to the wilderness for about five months. And it was that place that moved us into a new season, 
where we work for we work for the father now and um and and that's been a that's been an interesting transition now when you say interesting transition um <laughs> because, well you know you know it it is a you know what you're talking about um I'm guessing, and I really want to kind of dig into that transition, but leading up to that, I'm guessing there's a lot of things that have happened in your life, good and otherwise, that, that prepared you to live in that level of trust. You know, and, you know, and what are some of the maybe challenges, struggles you had along the way that actually um, equipped you, you know, for, you know, this what's happened over the last, you know, five years for yourself? Well, I would say for me, the biggest shift was in letting go of control. Um, I was trained as an engineer to solve problems, right? And so there was nothing I couldn't do. And it got to the place where I got to the end that no matter what I did, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough in the sense of it didn't solve the problem. And so everything I did to keep my house, for example whether after being laid off, um, the Lord just kind of let me go and do what I thought I needed to do. And he said, when you're done, let me know. And, and it was at that point that we had to say, all right, Lord. All right, everybody, you don't know this, but we just had a major technical glitch. So we're going to just jump back in and just pick up this conversation where I was with Bill and Bill, I was, we were just talking about some of the challenges and struggles that, had really you had gone through in your life that prepared you for the last five years, which we're going to be getting into, and would love to just uh, have you just kind of finish that thought that you had. Yeah, um, what I what what I couldn't see then that I can see now because you know hindsight's twenty twenty most times. Um, the Lord was answering some prayers that I had made back when I would first became a believer. Uh, back in 1995, I had an opportunity to immerse myself in the Brownsville revival that you may know about in Pensacola, Florida, back at that time period. And uh, it was at a place where the Lord and I really, really uh, met intimately. And I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do and say whatever you want me to say. And um, probably in the last seven years, he's really gotten serious about taking me up on that offer. And so one of the things he has to do is, is at least from my perspective, is he has to prepare our hearts for that eventual total dependency on him. And that means stripping much of everything that we think is, that interferes with our relationship with him. He showed me one time you know, the pure in heart see God. So we had to purify my heart in order for me to see him because that was my prayer. So that's kind of the gist of what's been happening over the last five or six years is that while I'm, I'm giving up a lot of things like the American dream or the things that people would seem are a part of success, and he's shifting my, my, my outlook from success to significance. And um, that's that's probably the process that he's been doing, molding myself and and my wife together. And w- what does that look like? That shift from success to significance, Bill. Well, it started for me as being a, a like a what I what I'll characterize as a simmering um, discontent that 
you know, I was doing all the right things. Um, you know, everything that, that when, as a Christian, you go to church every week and, you know, I ended up being in my late forties, early fifties and realizing one day I woke up and I said, is that all there is God? I mean, is this, you know, am I just supposed to be just kind of marking time until I die so I can be home, be home with you? And the Lord emphatically shared with me through my circumstances and meditation. Um, no, that's not all there is. In fact, I've got expectations for you right there on earth, what you're supposed to be doing right now. And so it was that process of re readjusting my mindset, having my mind transformed and renewed to see things the way he sees them. And it's amazing what you, when your eyes get open, what all the stuff that interfered before it just seems meaningless. And, and then now significance means I'm just doing something important to my father in heaven. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of it. As long as he approves, I'm good. Now you talked about a mindset shift there, Bill, that, you know, that's an, that's an interesting point for me. Um, <laughs> Right. So what is, you know, as you're going through this mindset shift, you know, what were some of the things that you noticed as you went through that yourself? Well, the the one thing that I noticed was that God would challenge me to trust him and then he would come through marvelously. I mean, just gloriously. Um, case in point, uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit the Mississippi Gulf Coast in 2005, I, my house was about two miles from the Gulf of Mexico. And, and it was in a relatively high area. There was no flooding in my area. And none of, the, none of the houses on my street were destroyed. You'd go, you'd go back and think, yeah, look, everything's fine. Except my house had close to $45,000 in damage. And I, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, why me? And he said, that's the wrong question. He said, you're asking why this happened to me. And he said, the better question is, why is this happening for you? And when he showed me why it happened, he was basically leading me through a process of almost like weaning me off what I thought was important. And then he was showing me and bringing me to a level of what he thought was important. And it, his his way is much better. <laughs> well, you know that that is that is a really interesting point because there's so many of us. I know a lot of the stories of people listening. People that have reached out to me, man. And there's a lot that happens in life, right? Tragedies, illness, uh, accidents, careers, uh, you know, moral failures, and in looking at this. From that question that you asked, why did this happen to me versus, you know, God saying to you, why is this happening for you? Because um, I don't want to discount all those experiences that we have happened, but you're just talking about looking at it differently. What allowed you to do that, Bill? And I know your your whole story, You right? You've had some serious times both at the on the mountaintop and in, you know, yes. some serious valley experiences. Um you know, but what allowed you to make that that shift? Um, that's a real hard question because 
It's very personal. Mm-hmm. And when the father, when you know the father is in it, you can do anything. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, whether it's... And he would say, test me in this. It's like, go ahead. See if you can... See if you can prove me wrong. And I would try, and I would get so frustrated. And then he would come to me gently, and he would say, are you ready to try it my way? And I say, yes, Lord. And he said, no, this is what I need you to do. Will you do it? And I would say, yes. And I think, for me, it's never been about um, trying to be better, per se, as much as it is well, Lord, I've come to this point, and I've, I, I'm, I'm like in a corner here, so I have no choice. And it was, it would seem like He would always get me into that place where I was backed into a corner, and I had no other option but to trust Him. But now that shifts, and now it's like, Lord, what are we going to do next? Because now I really trust You, because You've proven Yourself strong. He's proven Himself when I didn't know. Um, in that four-month period I was telling you about where my wife and I were living out of my van and we were in a um, an extended-stay hotel. We knew we were supposed to move from the Gulf Coast to Jackson, Mississippi, and so we just stepped out in faith. We packed up the, the car. We closed on the house. We had sold our house. Uh, we closed on it a week before it was going to go into foreclosure because we couldn't afford it. And we literally went to Jackson not knowing where we would stay. Uh, we only we had enough to go get a, a hotel room, and I had one invitation to go speak at a ladies' Bible study on Wednesday morning at ten o'clock. <laughs> and the um, the lady that I connected with would take up an offering each week, and it would be just enough to pay for the extended stay hotel room for the next week, and that lasted for four months. And so my wife and I, there's a place where, yeah, you go through a lot of anxiety, you go through a lot of fear, but then when you realize God is faithful, you gain a confidence in that. Though if we can make it through this, then we can make it through just about anything. And and so, yeah, the first couple of times, it was tough. And I'm not saying that, that it's easy anytime, but I have this expectation now that not not that if God would, but that he will. It's just an interesting way to see how it, it manifests, how he's going to do it. You know, and with your skill set, your resume, your background, you could have gone back to corporate America, back to your income that you had before. And what was there that allowed you to keep making those small steps forward, Bill, in, into, um, you know, where God was leading you? Um, I would I would say I spent a lot of time in his presence, literally. The day that I got laid off from a major uh, defense, aerospace defense contractor here in Mississippi building ships, um, I, I can remember the day that I walked out with all my stuff in a box from my office, my cubicle, and I remember the cipher door locking and clicking behind me, and that was it. It was, it was like... There's no going back. It was very symbolic. No, the only way you could get into that door is with a code. And I had, I knew the code, but I, they changed the code, so I couldn't go back in if I wanted to. 
And so that door represented a, a definite ending. And immediately when I heard that door click, it, the thought crossed my mind, Bill, I'm in this. Don't worry. I've got your back. And for the next three days, I just literally laid on my face, weeping before the Lord, saying, all right, Lord, whatever you whatever you got, let's do it. But it's got to be quick because I, I don't have any income. I mean, I'm not, I'm like everybody else, but he, he led me through it step by step. And uh, he knows how much he can handle at any given moment. He knows where we are. He knew prior to that two years, I'd been sitting in a cube almost like an anchor, you know, anchor around my ankle. And I, I'm just whining, complaining because I wasn't out there doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. I was chained to a cubicle. You know, we, we had a saying, it was called death by cubicle. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and now that I'm out, I'm free from that. It's like, ruh row. do I want to go back or not? And, and the Lord kept giving me encouragement in my circumstances. I I would say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do here. And something would happen miraculously. Uh, I finished my doctorate only because um, my the company I was, was paying for my doctorate, I got about halfway through and then got this layoff. And so I didn't know if I was supposed to continue. So I called the director of the program, the doctorate program. And he said, you know, you need to call the dean. And then he hesitated. And then he said, no, better yet, I'll call the dean. And three hours later, they caught me my next class. And that was the confirmation I needed from the Lord to say, keep going. Don't stop. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Just keep going. And trust me. And I finished. Yeah, I got a lot of debt from it because I finished it out. But the Lord promised me that he would take care of that if, if I just trusted him. You know, I'll never forget, Bill, I'm glad you shared that, is, you know, when I, when I, you know, there's always different options for us, right, is to figure out, you know, how we really tap into what God's prepared us, created us, called us to do, right where we're at, right in that cubicle, or do we start yep. doing something on the side, or we do, you know, what you and I have done, we felt like it's a completely different, you know, a pivot, so... None of these answers are right or wrong, so I don't want people to hear, like, you know, to experience this. You need to, you know, create a, you know, just make this huge pivot in your life. Uh, but I'll never forget, because I had been, you know, my accident, I had been recovering. Uh, we'd had no income for years. We had no resources. And I was going to go get certified as a leadership coach, and it was an expensive process and money I sure. absolutely didn't have. And I'll never forget, um, so I decided I'd put the first payment of the first class on a credit card, totally on faith. And I got a call from Chris McCluskey at the Professional Christian Coaching Institute. And I hadn't shared, I shared this with one person who asked in a side conversation about, you know, hey, how are you going to, you know, pay for what's next? And I think my answer was, you know what, I, I'm just, I just have just total faith it's going to work out. That's, that was really my attitude, and I had really never been there before the accident. But Chris McCluskey calls me and goes, hey, we just got a call from a group that wants to stay anonymous, but they got together and they wrote an entire a check for, for you to take every single class that we have in our catalog to become a certified leadership coach. Wow. I got to tell you, I was weeping in my car yep. about the not only the generosity of other people, who, who stepped in to fill that gap. Um, but 
also what that meant for me and just God being faithful. And, you know, one of the lessons I learned out of that, because it's not always just monetarily. Right. But what can we do? I really think, I really, well, my opinion is, and I think there's a lot of scripture to back this up, but God answers prayers through other people. And he's always looking to connect us with somebody else's prayer. And, um, you know, that's always something I, I think about and pray about daily is, you know, who is it? today in my world, just create that awareness, you know, tap me into Holy Spirit, where I can just be that person that either sows into somebody, has that conversation, connects them with somebody else. And I'm guessing as you went through this whole process, did you have people in your life, mentors, relationships that helped you also along this journey, Bill? Um, That's an interesting question, because my first, my first reaction or my first answer that comes up would be to be honest no I didn't um, and and from the time I, I I had guys helping me don't get me wrong but I didn't have these relationships where I had a father figure that I could look to or or, or some mentor that was paving you know don't step there or mm. watch out for that landmine there I didn't have that and in fact, I've spent most of my life plowing on my own so others could come behind me. And I'll be honest with you, this was probably less than a year ago. I had had enough of that. <laughs> um, I got into my, my prayer closet and I started sucking my thumb and I said, Lord, I'm done with that. Who's you? My name is William, which is Resolute Protector. And that's what I've done a lot of. Uh, uh, that's part of what I believe the Lord has asked me to do is go out and plow ground and tear down and overthrow and destroy, so to speak, so that others can come and build and plant and and I can do the same. But um, I asked the Lord, who's there? Who's been there for me? Bill, who's going to protect the protector? And I don't think I got that prayer out more than 10 seconds after I'd finished it. He He led me to his word. And it was literally Psalm 91, where he said, I will protect you. Mm. And it was immediate. And he knew I needed that. And it's, I kind of felt like Elijah, after he'd been fed by the ravens, he could go on that strength for another 40 days, right? And, and the part of what he's been teaching me is that I don't need to look out and see what's going to happen five years, three years, 10 years. I mean, that's what I do. I go into businesses and help them strategically plan what that company could look like in three to five years or with strategic foresight and scenario planning. What What's this uh, culture going to look like in 30 years? Or this world trend of water shortage, what's that going to look like in 50 years? The Lord has taught me that, yeah, that's okay to do, but I'm in the now. I'm in the moment. I'm in, I'm in your day-to-day right down to the details. And and I've learned that, that if I can just stay there, everything's going to be just hard. Everything's just going to be fine. Hmm. That, you know, thank you for I'll sharing you that. that was... is, John, mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you what I think it is. Um, God has told us, Jesus told us to be witnesses. I, he didn't say, go and be my disciples, although that, that was part of it. He didn't say, go and be my evangelist. He said, go and be my witnesses to the othermost parts of the earth. And 
and I've really come to learn that if you haven't heard or seen something, there's no way you can testify as a witness to what you've seen or heard. And so a lot of times he allows us to go through these low points in order for us to see his goodness and mercy in the land of the living. And it becomes real. It doesn't become something you've just heard about. It now takes on a personal thing that it's like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about because that happened to me. And now I can tell people my story, you know, going to a, a desert place to drill a well and have to worry about eating meat sacrificed to idols because they slaughtered a goat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have ever thought in my lifetime I would have ever had to worry about that scripture verse. And I've always wondered if that was, you know, for today or or if it's relevant. And immediately when I saw that, the Spirit of God quickened my heart and said, do not eat that. <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of tickled. I was like, okay, this is just like Paul, you know, or whatever. So he's right there all the time. But he allows us to go through some of this stuff so that when he comes through for us, we can tell people of his goodness. We can tell people of, and that's what leaders are, I think. That's that's their role. It's not that they know they're the man of the hour with the power or the sage on the stage. It's people are looking to follow someone that's real, that's authentic, and, and has got a testimony of the better way to go. Hey, are we going in this direction? How do you know if it's a good one? Because I've been here before. I've I know how to go through stuff like this. And I think that's the deep thing with leadership, and that's that's why we have authentic leadership, and then we have wannabes. Um, you can tell the difference. It, when you, and when you say authentic leadership, what kind of authenticity is that, Bill? Um, I think it's it. I think it becomes um, an issue of uh, integrity. Uh, knowing that your walk matches the talk and that people, as a leader, people care more about, um, they don't want to hear um, as much about what you're talking about as much as do you care about them. And, and then how are you walking out the message that you're expecting them to walk out? You know, are you are you the do as I say, not as I do type of leader kind of thing? And that's where I spend a lot of my time, especially in the military, because that's the kind of um, environment you tend to be in in the military, especially as an officer. Um, but I've come to learn that, you know, when you don't have a, a, a the threat of punishment as the main way to lead people. Uh, now you have to resort to some other things, and it all comes down to relationships where you've got to be the real deal. Um, people can see right through whether or not you believe what you're telling them or not. And uh, so that's what I've tried to do. It, it, to me, it comes down to an issue of integrity. Are you going to do what you say you're going to do? And I've not always been uh, um, good at that. And I'm getting better, though, by the grace of God. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's really, you know, you talked about, uh, the framework about how you really be a good witness. I think that's so powerful. And, you know, when, when I first um, started what I'm doing right now, right, one of my big goals was how to, you know, connect with leaders, develop, you know, you have to connect before you can pull, so to speak. Yes. But, right. you know, and then how do you then, uh, that relationship turns into a conversation where I could share the gospel, and I was I was convicted 
like you're talking about, when you're being authentic, you know what? It's not about sharing, you know, the entire gospel. In a conversation, in an interaction, wherever we're sitting, whether we're doing something new or we're, you know, going into a team meeting tomorrow morning when somebody listens to this, we can show up as that authentic person and share a little piece of the gospel, you know, about humility, about being authentic, about maybe sharing something that makes you vulnerable, that allows that other person, you might not even realize it, but it was the perfect story that they needed to hear. And, right. and then they start sharing with you about how to make a decision that's truly in line with your integrity and doing something you know is going to honor the Lord and, and how and what you're doing, even though it might be counter to your own best interests or maybe the interests of your team or organization. But you you have those those non-negotiables, those principles. Yeah. And when people yeah. see that being lived out in your life in those little pieces, those those, those, you know, you're just, you're just kind of peeling away the, the little pieces that are hiding this beautiful tapestry of who Jesus is to somebody else who doesn't have that yet have that relationship. Yeah. I'm reminded as you, as you're telling, you know, talking about that, I'm reminded of a story that happened to me last year in this same trip to Senegal that I went to, to drill water wells in the Sahara um, the second village we went to, we, we had the drilling rig going and everything like that. There were some ladies that were helping us. Um, one of the things you have to do is, um, if you can't buy gravel, you have to sift it. So we go down to a riverbed or someplace and we, we sift sand. And so we get these little pebbles that we use as like a filter pack inside the well. And so there were some ladies that were helping us over two or three days, make this big pile of, of gravel and then they would bring us cold drinks as we were drilling and all this. And there was a young man who I found out, he was probably in his early 20s. He was in college studying to be a geologist. And he was the son of the chief. So he was kind of our liaison between us and the villagers, you know, the drilling crew and the villagers. And at one point, we were, the, 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 you know, we're drilling and everything's going fine. And he starts asking me a bunch of questions to the point where I realized this young man really wants to know about this, and I found out the reason why is because he's studying to be a geologist. So I I turned the uh, operation over to the guy that that I was training to be the supervisor, and I sat down with him. And as they were drilling, I literally held like a college level course on what it means to drill a, you know, drill a well with, you know, talking to him about the the geography and how we're you know looking to see what's down in there and taking samples and all this, and he was just very uh, wrapped with that. He he was taking notes as if he were a student sitting in class. And I was like, whoa, that this is pretty serious. But he was a real sweet kid. And, and uh, at one point he said, "What what is it about you that's different? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're, you're a white guy that comes to help us. I know you're not a Muslim. And uh, why do you come here? There's something different about you. And I said, do you really want to know? Or are you just curious? <laughs> and he, he kind of smiled and he, he said, no, I really want to know because you know what's going on here and, and, and you're helping my people get water. And, he, and I said, well, I do it because I want to serve my God. And that's all I said. And he says, really? He said, you know, he, she, he said, yeah, my mother over there. And she po- he pointed to one of the women that had been with us all, all the time. 
And I didn't know that this woman was his mother. And he said to me, he said, yeah, I was talking with my mother the other day, and he said, watch that man. There's something different about him. You can learn a lot from him. And so that just like, whoa, you never know. Like you were saying, as long as you've got that integrity and authenticity, you have no idea who's watching you at any given moment. And what your witness will do, it, it may not be anything you say. It might be exactly what you do and how you re relate to other people. And at one point, this young man said, so what's different about you? I said, I do this because um, I love my God. And I said, and, and I get paid, too. He goes, really? You get paid, right? And he goes, well, how much do you get paid to do this? And I looked at him and smiled. I said, that's none of your business. <laughs> but, you know, to this day, this is over a year ago, he, connect, he connects to me once every couple months over Facebook. And how's it going? I'm doing this in my studies. And, and uh, how's your family and all this? And, you know, I didn't have any tracks. I didn't have a Bible with me. I didn't have an outreach program to the Muslims. Yet I've got seven to ten Muslim guys, they call me Big Boss, and they, they can't wait till I come back. And this young man has uh, apparently made some level of fatherly um, impact on him that he, he wants to continue talking with me. You know, you know, what you're showing there, and I think this is a great lesson to pull some things out of, Bill, is having... You know, some universal, it's, it's like having a true north, right? This guiding star that moves you forward. And, and you know, our yeah. defini definition of leadership that I know you and I both ascribe to that we use, right? Really, it comes from John 15, verse yeah. 13, right? There is no greater love than to lay down That's one's right. life for one friend's. And I yeah. always read that in the past about, you know, this is, you know, like literally I'm going to, you know, take the bullet for somebody. And as Ford Taylor, who you and I both know, where he was sharing with me years ago, what else does laying down one's life look like? Right? Think about that. You're in the desert taking your life yeah. to serve this village. That, that is what this verse is talking about. So if, you know, if we actually think about, right, if leadership is influence, positive influence in somebody's life, Right. And an organization that we also want to touch is, you know, two or more people with a, you know, who are in right. relationship. What can we do with our life that, you know, we lay down our, you know, what's first and foremost for us to serve others? And what I have found my whole career, you know, looking back as I really dug in and thought about this, this whole kind of this notion of a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Um, when I first got into corporate America, big, huge Fortune 100 company, and I got into management. But my boss was fantastic. He pulled me aside one day when I was a, when I just got promoted to run this large district. He said, "John, if you focus on succeeding for yourself, you're going to really struggle. But if you every day get up and 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 figure out how to help your sales reps, your project managers, your administrative assistants, your technical support guys." and you operate in a way to help them succeed, maximize their income, enjoy their time here, have professional success and success outside of here, you will crush it as far as how you're going to be measured. Yes, and you know I agree what? with that. And you know what? As soon as he said that, because of who he was, and I've seen, you know, I've been working with and for him now for, you know, at that point, a couple of years, 
that is how he lived his life. And that, you know, that was, you know, complete alignment with who I was and kind of how I thought and other leadership examples that have been modeled to me. But this is a universal truth. And so, you know, as we're doing that, as you're talking about, right, we're, we're just being authentic. Um, you talked earlier about emotional intelligence. I think creating that self-awareness of who we are, you know, what are our strengths? What are our gifts? The other thing that I think is also important to us, right, are what are those things in our mind? I think the thing that really holds us back as Christians spiritually are those things that are rooted, uh, those past experiences that might show up as giving us, you know, either some some guilt or shame or maybe fear of, you know, being found out or they're creating fear and how we're living. And when we go through a process to really tap into, you know, almost our self-identity and yeah. like, like what you talked about, and we shift that identity to being in Christ. And for me, when I started this, this was a process, this wasn't overnight, but I think yeah, having that, right. that self-awareness. <laughs> it ain't either yet. <laughs> right. And I'm still, man, I'm still working on it. I, I am absolutely that's, that's a work right. in progress. Um, you know, I think some of the, what you're what we're talking about here is just some really powerful lessons for people that really do want to make a difference, whatever that difference looks like. You know, sit down and write down what does significance look like. Um, yeah, and there's something else too, John, that I think is really important to add here. One of the things that I've realized, um, I've been I've been a believing Christian now since 1990, and. I am very competent as an engineer, as a business. I've got a master's degree in business, a doctorate in leadership. I'm very competent. Competent. I can do anything if I set my mind to it. But the issue is, just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. And one of the things I've learned over the last four or five years especially, that even though you have the abilities in, in, in religious circles, they call it the anointing of the Lord, one of the things he absolutely has to have us do is have our character match the level of anointing that he's putting on our lives. Because if he let us go out with just that ability, that anointing, that that thing that we can do really, really well, and we don't have the character, it'll destroy us and it'll destroy the people that we try to use it for. And And I think that's the issue. You know, if you look at every major leader in the Bible— they were told great things. You will be this, Joseph. You know, you, you you talk to his brothers, and you're going to bow down to me and worship me and and serve me. I've seen the dream, right? Moses, you know, or or Paul, or and even Jesus, he got led to the wilderness, and it was all about building the character, which is what I believe is the vessel. God creates more capacity for us to hold greater levels of anointing by developing our character. And it's kind of like the old thing we heard in the military, you know, we get issued, you know, these boot camps get issued a new weapon and the drill sergeant says, be careful with that thing. You might hurt somebody with it, you know? <laughs> uh, and I think to a large extent that applies to our Christian walk, especially as leaders. I think, you know, that's the whole thing Paul tells about that. We're going to be, we're going to be evaluated at a, at a, at a higher standard because we're going beyond ourselves. Mm. And I think it's all about that character matching the anointing. And there's a lot of people that are frustrated because they can see things that are wrong or they, they've got certain expertise and 
why was I chosen? Why wasn't I chosen over that guy? I can do that job better than than he can or she can. And a lot of times we're held back from promotion because our character doesn't doesn't match our abilities. And um, so a lot of times we're allowed to stay in that oven, that that crucible, in order for us to have a better character, so that when we do get promoted, now God will be seen and He will get the glory as opposed to us. Oh, that was power. I'm I'm glad you shared that. Um, I, I'm in total agreement with what you just said. And you know, as we wrap up here, just our few last few minutes here, just any final thoughts that you would like to just leave with with those leaders out there listening in? Yeah, I will tell you this. Um, I've been thinking about this through this whole entire conversation. My heart goes out to the leaders like the CEO or in in a more specific case, the captain of a ship. Um, I understand the responsibility and the weightiness of that of that position. And I've literally... My heart goes out to them, those those leaders that are at the point, at the top, and they're having to lead. It's kind of lonely there, and there's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, is not a lot of room for error. Um, and I, my heart goes out to them. And I've literally seen in the spirit realm as I pray and as I go about my business as a consultant and as a coach, I literally know there's there's people, leaders like that at those levels. I see them kneeling down by their bed, weeping before the Lord, saying, Lord, I need help. Mm. And I just want to encourage those guys. Um, the Lord hears your prayers, and he's, he's, he's created people. He just now is connecting us. And so if you're like that, that's all I would say is if there's someone out there that's hearing this and you need help. The Lord hears it. He has not left you. He's not forsaken you. And just keep asking and it'll come. It'll come. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Bill, for sharing that. That final thought was, that was beautiful, my friend. My heart goes out to leaders. Yes, I know. And I, I wish we had more time. There's so much to share. We'll have to have you back on and, you know, um, uh, you know, what's the best way for people to learn about what you do, your coaching, your, your speaking, just to get in touch with you, Bill? Yeah, um, my website is www. And it's a real long website, so I'll go slow. TheVantagePointGroupLLC.com. So the, the Vantage, Vantage V with a, or, or Vantage with a V as in Victor? Yes. TheVantagePointGroupLLC.com. That's my website. Or if it's easier, they can shoot me an email at Dr. Bill Manduka, Dr. Bill Manduka at gmail.com. And that's and I'd love to just M-A-N, pray. If, or, uh, M-A-N-D-U-C-A, correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. And I would just love to pray and encourage. That's what I'm called to do is walk alongside these leaders because I know what it's like to have been where they are. And I, I want to get in there and, and help them walk it out. Perfect. And what was your email? Just one more time, Bill. My email, Dr. 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 Bill Manduka at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much for your time today, Bill, who you are for sharing, um, you know, a very kind of personal part of your journey uh, in a way that I know it's going to 
really, you know, just hit the heart of the exact people that needed to hear it. So everybody out there listening, thank you for being part of this incredible community. We would love for you to, you know, share this podcast with a friend. Uh, you know, go into iTunes and hit subscribe. Uh, we've been, we've a number of times been in the top 100 for business uh, podcasts. We're only one of only two others that are actually even faith-based that are in there. And, you know, we just want to get these stories, these lessons, these principles into the hands of more people, whether they have a relationship with the Lord right now uh, or not. But uh, we, we, we just love you guys. We thank you very much for, for who you are, for sewing back into our lives here at Eternal Leadership, me and our entire staff, Steve Ryder, who couldn't be here today. And uh, we sure love and appreciate you. And if there's anything we can do for you, please, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to eternalleadership.com. Go to the, the show notes for, for our interview with Bill and all his information will be there. So thank you guys for who you are. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.